Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Down the blind, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Now overnight, the Super League, they named their dream team. So the best from each position. And one guy made it that was on my podcast at the start of last year, uh, back when I didn't have that many of you listening. So I thought I'd redrop it again today if you guys have a listen to. Crinsden, a new champion bloke. He's 33 years old, still in the dream team for the Super League. And uh, his NRL career was unbelievable. I mean, off the top of my head, Parramatta... New Zealand Warriors, Canterbury. I think he lost three grand finals in five years or something like that. Incredibly lucky, uh, unlucky, sorry. And I mean, when he debuted, he just he burst onto the scene with his with his childhood mate Jared Hayne, and they just set the NRL alight. They were incredible. Uh, during this interview, he touches on his relationship with Hainsey, and he takes us through that 2009 roller coaster. Takes us through his NRL debut, and then of course his Kiwis debut, which just came out of absolutely nowhere. An incredible story there. He was also playing at uh, the Canterbury Bulldogs in 2012 when Ben Barber went on his unbelievable run. And he was also at the Warriors in 2011 when Sean Johnson burst onto the scene. So he's been in sides, you know, when Hainsey went wild in 2009, Barber in, in 2012, and, and Sean Johnson in 2011. So he's been around some of the craziest storylines in rugby league for individual seasons. He was a champion bloke and... Um, I had a listen back to this this morning. I love this interview. Fortunately, I've got a lot better at interviewing and podcasting. Uh, it sort of hurt my ears listening to myself a few months ago, but good to see that we're improving. Uh, so here's our interview with Crimson Inu, a champion bloke. Congratulations, brother, on making the dream team. Sensational stuff. Let's kick it off. How are you, mate? How are you? All good, all good. Let me ask you, you were born in Auckland. At what age did you move over to Australia? Uh, young age. I was only about seven-ish. I was born in uh, Auckland uh, Middlemore Hospital where most uh, legends are born, yeah. Hospital where only the strong survive. So I believe you moved into Minto in Western Sydney? 
we moved into our families around Fairfield area and then we made our way to Minto. What was your childhood like down there? Just like anyone else, probably no no different, no uh nothing too special, pretty much obviously uh the old standard, yeah, if you want to go see your mate, you got to walk 2Ks down the road, ride a bike, walk, whatever you needed to. If you wanted a drink down the street, you'd be drinking from neighbors' taps on the way. Just your just your standard. Um, some people will see it as a struggle sometimes, and we've seen that as just life. That was how we grew up and took anything for granted, made our own fun, really. Play Harold Matthews or SG Ball when you were younger? Our age was always stuffed around when we were playing. So if we were ever to make those teams, we always had to play year up. So when it was uh, the following year, when it was like supposed to be our age, they would swap the, the age group. So it would, would never fall on our actual age. So for us to make those rep teams, we always had to play um, our age above us, which was a bit of a trial, which was, which was good for myself and obviously other boys my age. But yeah, it was... Um, it was pretty cool. Like if if we wanted to make any sort of reps, we had to play the older boys. And if you if you made those teams, you sort of uh, was obviously a, a well known thing for for the rugby league world. If if you had made a Harold Mats or SG Ball for uh, a certain team, and obviously being a year younger as well, I guess that would have been very character building as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was. Grew up uh, humble background out in Campbelltown, and for me to go to training all the way to Parramatta, I had to catch a train all the time. And sometimes I'd have to carry all my Parramatta training gears with me to school in Fairfield. So anything that I needed in Parramatta, I'd have to carry with me all around school, and then straight from school to Parramatta, then catch a train back, which was obviously Camp- uh, Parramatta to Campbelltown wasn't uh, the closest trips. We'd get home at about nine ten. 10 at night sometimes on but lucky lucky for me there was a there was a group of us that was traveling together so we always felt safe and we're always in good company you made your Parramatta Eels debut in 2007 tell me about the week leading up to that special game it was Tamanatahu I was called in two days before captain's run and I was called in to just fill in he wasn't his hamstring wasn't feeling too good so they go oh well you fill in during the week and then maybe game day Tamana will be sweet to play. Got to captain's run, which is day before every match. And then I got the thumbs up saying, yeah, you're going to be playing. You're going to be starting center. Haynes is going to be your winger. And just go out there, have fun, really do what you do. And yeah, so um, I got told the day before. And obviously, I got the news pretty early in the day. So I had time to sort out family tickets and all that sort of stuff. And at Parramatta, their family over there and... Since I was a para junior, they pretty much just gave me free reign on that game to just ask for whatever tickets I had. I think I had about fifty tickets in my debut game, and it's it was a fair um, crowd. Yeah, it was it was raining that day too, so I was lucky enough that uh, everyone still turned up in the rain. <laughs> you made your first grade debut for the Parramatta Eels that week. A week later, you're selected to make your international debut for the Kiwis against the Kangaroos at Suncorp Stadium. Unbelievable. So this is a funny story. So I um obviously Tamana I was I was in for Tamana the week after he was sweet to play so I got put down to Reggie's and then um the the week after that so not even so I I think I debuted on a Saturday the following week was a Friday and then the week after that I got caught up into the 
uh, the test side for the Anzac, Anzac game versus Australia. So I was playing Reggie's at the time. I got caught up to play Kiwis because uh, I think Brent Webb was having a kid over in uh, over here in Super League. So they needed a fullback, and I got the th- I got the thumbs up. Um, <laughs> funny story. You played test matches back then. You you back up for your club. So I played test match on Friday, my first test match, and then. On that same Sunday, I backed up for Parramatta, but I was playing Ridges again. <laughs> so how did you find out that you were going to be playing for the Kiwis? Like, I, I imagine whoever made that phone call, you would have been in complete disbelief. Yeah, this, oh, I still remember it like it was yesterday. Um, so like I said, the week after my debut, we played, I think it was another Friday game. On Sunday, I was in church at the time. My phone was ringing, and I seen who was calling, and it was... Um, the manager from Parramatta so I thought something was up at the club we had an important meeting or something so I walked out of Sacrament at church I walked out and he goes uh what are you doing and I was just like um I'm at church I go what's up I go something up like do we need to be somewhere am I late for a meeting or something because I, I was just paranoid as that I missed something that I didn't know and he just said no 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 um sitting down and I was like oh Okay, I'm sitting down now so I sat down and he goes yeah you've just been called into the Kiwi squad and I was like what like I, I thought he was just pulling pranks, pulling my leg. Yeah, same what you just said. I was in disbelief and I sort of was just in shock, didn't know how to react. And I was just like, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be going to Brisbane uh, tomorrow for camp. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was, I was, he was like, okay, you can, you can celebrate with your family and friends, but uh, make sure you're on that plane tomorrow. We'll send you details. Uh, We'll see you straight away. And I was like, okay. And then I hung up. And then I walked into Sacrament down. Um, it was Testimony Sunday. Um, I got up on the, on, the, on the pulpit, on the stand, and sort of uh, had a little tear. And I was like, like saying how grateful I was for the gospel in my life, this and that, and sort of announced it like a few seconds after I just got the phone call. What a moment. I was saying... Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, sorry for walking out because um, my phone rang and I was like in church. It was like the Nokia's back then, so it wasn't... The old didn't brick. Have the little, didn't have the little switch to turn it on silent. <laughs> you had to obviously go through settings to put it on silent. So I announced that and obviously mum and that hearing it for the first time too because I just walked back in and went straight up. And then, yeah, and then after that, it just went so fast, pretty much from church straight home packed the bags and got everything ready for the next morning essentially in the space of 10 days you made your first grade debut replacing Tamana Tahu and you got dropped back to Reggie's and then you got your international debut for the Kiwis yeah and then went straight back to Reggie's unbelievable yeah it was it was a special moment it was something I'll never forget um and it was one of those things that um I think it was a big build-up not only because not not my story alone, but um, I just remember at the time it was um, it was Sonny's and uh, Benji's first Kiwis game together, so that was like a big build up alone. Just having them two in camp and um, having their first like obviously they were the talk of the town for years, and obviously injury hit one or the other, or someone was on, someone was off. Um, but it was the first time they they got to play to play with each other, so it sort of clouded pretty much took all the attention from from me making my debut after one game. Greg Eastwood debuted, Sam Rapira. I think there was three of us that debuted, like, all same age. We're all 2019, all debuting for the Kiwis. So that sort of uh, 
But I was I was fortunate enough. I I'm, I was one of those kids that don't really get nervous before a game, so I was pretty sweet. I was probably more nervous to meet the like the the whole Sunny Benji. Nath Kalis, I was lucky he was my captain at the club, so he was the he was the Kiwis captain at the time. Just all those senior players that I grew up watching and idolizing and having the opportunity to play with them after obviously one game was more I was more nerve nerve wracking of stuffing up at training than worrying about the game because I was like in the game, no worries, I know what I have to do. Just go out, play, have fun. It's a game. Training I just sort of felt like I had to earn that respect because no one knew who I was. No one seen me play because obviously they're all first graders and I was like coming from Reggie's and I was only this young kid. So Eastwood had, had played a handful of games. Sam Rapier had played a handful of games. So they, they sort of had their their name out there and everyone knew how they played. So I was still like the new kid on the block. felt like uh, I was in there just watching the boys train. <laughs> I was the water boy at sometimes just watching, but then they were like, Coach was like, nah, that's our fullback. <laughs> uh, everyone that's uh, Chris Ninu. And yeah, it, was, it, felt, it felt like that pretty much the first two days. Granted, the game didn't go the way it was planned for the Kiwis. But during that week, what were the things that you learned from the senior players? Yeah, I learned, oh, I learned pretty quick to adjust to can be enemies one game and then bring it all together and be so close in such short time and form a, a sort of a, a bond and uh, that chemistry that you need for a test match in, in such a short period and in, in learning people's names and obviously knowing them from TV so you know most of their names but just knowing them as a person and, and how they play how they train, how they prepare, all that sort of stuff so that was a uh, very, I was fortunate enough that it was um, I was a part of that real at a real uh, young age which now in these days like being 20-year-old debuting is nearly normal now. so It's crazy, it's really isn't it? A, yeah, it's not really a young age anymore. So so yeah. I imagine in that game, after playing one first-grade game, you would have come up against the likes of Lockyer, Slater, Smith. Just feel the speed of the game, just go to a complete new level? Yeah, uh, I was and playing fullback back then. It wasn't as demanding as it is now like I, I I don't know how I used to play fullback back then like I was so skinny and fast I think the adrenaline got me through it more than anything and being so excited that anything that anything that came my way I was on it straight away I jumped on it dove on it jumping for it. anything I just uh, the adrenaline took over my body and pretty much I felt like I wasn't breathing but like you said it was just that quick it was a big big uh eye opener and then obviously like I said going back to Reggie's I went to Reggie's and I was like it is so slow <laughs> I was like it was such a big difference in speed and I didn't think there was anything different like to me watching rugby league it's rugby league like it's the game it's the same speed blah 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 yeah I, I learned after that one game and then going to Reggie's that there is a big difference and same as preparation and obviously playing you more expected from you. Change the kick. Kicks now. Looking for a regather. Hey, no, he's got the ball. Jared Hay. What a play. Oh, superstar, superhuman. Let's fast forward two years later. The year's 2009, and the Eels are making an unbelievable run through the back end of the Premiership, led by one of your childhood mates, Jared Hayne. Tell me about playing with Hainsey that year. 
I was fortunate enough to be part of that team and, and the run that, that uh, Hainsey had in that uh, 2009 season. Well, I played with him all my life, like growing juniors, school. I lived like not even 100 metres from my house, so I've seen him every day. No, it was something that we're, we that was sort of installed in us from a young age and having the senior players around us and, and giving us an earful because we were always the cheeky ones at training, so... Heindy, Kalis, all the senior players, Mick Vella, all those boys would be spraying me and Hainsey because we'd muck around, but they'd be doing all the hard stuff and then come game time, we'd still, we'd still bring it. So that year, I think Hainsey enjoyed his football. He had that much fun that what I seen every day at, at home or around Minto, around the train station, at the netball course, at basketball course, like running around the streets, uh, that's what I seen every day. So when I seen him... It was no surprise to me to see what he was doing on the field. Pretty much, he was pretty much like, just let me play footy and on board and we'll, we'll rock this together. And sort of, we had that run. Like, I think we had a sort of like a, a deep talk and it was sort of like a, our season's all but over. We've got to win 10 of our last 11 season games to make the top eight, which was obviously not off. Um, and we just we just went for it. We played for each other. We we did stuff we weren't doing at the start of the year. And the coach gave us the thumbs up to play footy and throw it around and obviously enjoy it. Pretty much enjoy playing footy again. So that was the main one. It seemed to me that you, for the as you said, for the last fifteen weeks of that season, like you were just allowed to go out and play footy. When you look back on the grand final and the week of the grand final, did. No, if it was nerves or whatever, but you guys seemed a little bit locked up for the first, you know, sixty odd minutes of that game. Do you do you look back and have any thoughts about that grand final? For myself, uh, I was still young, so I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. As I got older, and I realised, like we were on such a high, no one expected us to be there, playing a hot red um, storm side who was just killing it that whole year, and we just. I think preparation changed that week for us, um, which a, a few of us were a bit shocked. The whole advantage of playing in Sydney and having a grand final in Sydney is we could sleep in our own beds. We had the advantage of sleeping in our own beds. Melbourne obviously are used to sleeping in hotels and travelling, but for some reason we changed our routine that we that we had leading into grand final and winning all those games. And and uh, for some reason we, we got a hotel, we stayed there like, a day or two out into grand, leading into grand final because they thought we'll get you all together, we'll, we'll keep you all in one place, so you're all focusing and preparing for the grand final together and all that. So it was for us. I thought the preparation changed and it sort of not threw us off, but obviously you got to adjust to what's put in front of you. And I th- I thought that's something we could have done different. But come game time, like like you said, the first 60 minutes, I think. We, we had a young team too. Average age for us at that time, I think, was like 26. Like, there was heaps of us that weren't even 24, 5 at the time. Um, and then you had the senior players, like I said. You got Heindy, Kalis, Ed Robinson, or like Ben Smith, all those, all those boys that were a bit older. We were that had been around for so long and sort of knew what they needed to do. But those first 60 minutes, like I said, I think we we it was more nerves than anything. I think we threw ourselves off by crowd, the atmosphere, and 
things weren't going our way, like the bounce of the ball, the, the offloads that we were used to leading into the finals and all that sort of stuff. And then we sort of kicked into gear, like you said, last 20 minutes and tried to make that late comeback. And it was against Melbourne. It's it's hard to find any sort of comeback. And they, they just played too well for us. Speaking of things going against you, um, tell me about Jared Hayne leaving his boots at home. <laughs> oh, that was... Um, that was a good memory. So we got to the grand final. We got into the sheds. Um, and Haynes is not stressing, like, not bad. But we just heard a bit of a ruckus down in the hallway while everyone's stretching. Everyone's doing their own things, got their headphones on and whatnot. And then Hainsy like, screamed, like, had a little shout. And, like, we all looked like, oh, shut up, Jared. Like, he does something every game day. And then he goes, he just had, a, had his moment. And we're all like, what's up? And he goes, I've got to ring someone to go go to my house, pick up my boots. And I go, what happened? And he goes, because he had that many boots given to him that year, brought two right foot boots, exact same pair of boots, but he brought the two right foots. So he had two lefties at home. So the police were called to go to his house, break into his house, grab the boots. And we see like the highway patrol cars, those real flash Holdens with the big lights, bright lights. They sped to ANZ and brought his boots, and they were there for come kick off and warm up. Geez, when you've got the best footballer in the world in your footy side on grand final day, you'd want to hope he brings a left and a right boot, wouldn't you? Yeah, that sort of uh, sort of rattled him at the start, and that didn't help anyone else because I sort of like if he's feeling rattled, then sort of everyone else is worrying about him when everyone should just be worrying about their own game. But I don't, I don't think it phased him in any way. Like maybe maybe for five minutes it did, but when he knew that. The police were on their way. They were like he. He was sweet after that. Let's um. Let's fast forward two years. You moved to the Warriors in 2011. What was it like moving to the Warriors? Was it a big change from Parramatta as a club? Yeah, because I didn't expect to ever leave Parramatta. Myself and Folletti were left in real bad, awkward circumstances at Parramatta, and but we were announcing. Said, "Oh, we're going to announce that we're leaving the club." We both looked at each other and go oh yeah i'm leaving too where are you going and he goes oh where are you going so we just said we looked at each other we go one two three we'll, we'll say the club okay one two three we both said warriors and we were both cheering because we both didn't know and we were like giving each other high fives and whatnot then we had the serious talk like telling the boys sorry this is gonna be our last game blah 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 we're leaving uh, from the outside in people just think warriors like back then was like oh they're lazy down to the ten, like 70th minute and then you'll, you'll catch him in the last 10 minutes but so we, when we got there we didn't expect too much but when we got there we it's probably the most running I've ever done to this day um, for a preseason the hills we did the running we did every day was probably the most I've ever done you see um, you see that that footage of them running up those sand hills looks like absolute torture yeah it's ridiculous so looking back now at what what I put my body through and all the players that probably even before my time, the pain that you go through in preseason is another level of like mental strength on top of uh, your physical strength. So that it trains you to change your body for life on and off the field and, and your mind as well. So, but yeah, it's, it's another level over there and I don't think it's ever changed. Having Ruben Wiki there at the time, he was sort of like starting his training uh, regimes back then, and his his little he would have he would have the extras group back then. But now he's a full time trainer, and the boys just said, 
going from like a hundred to five thousand, like in a matter of the space of time that I left. So I can only imagine how hard the boys are training now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In 2011, the Warriors were lucky enough to unearth one of the most freakish talents we've ever seen. Tell me about the young ball player you played with that year, Sean Johnson. Yeah, he was he was always going to be a superstar. Watching him uh, play 20s when I was there, and then always going to eventually have his shot. It's just, just a matter of time. And I was fortunate enough. It was that year that I I was there and got to see him play and play alongside him and help part of that journey of making obviously the the grand final and whatnot but he he grew pretty fast he was he was he had a very mature head for such a young halfback and um obviously he his skills were second to none but um to us boys he was still princess That 2011 season, of course, finishes with uh, the Warriors playing in the grand final for the first time since 2002, when, funnily enough, Ivan Cleary played in that game. Now he was coaching you guys. I guess that grand final, you know, it's not like the 2015 grand final where it's, or, or the 2019 grand final where you remember it for a single moment, but in my eyes, I will always remember your clash with Steve Maddai that day. Tell me about that big clash. Yeah, it wasn't even like anything that, um, like everyone talks to it, like everyone that I know and talks about Warriors, like diehard Warriors fans, like you said, not too much to brag about or like big highlights, but I would always be reminded about, oh, what about that day you had a battle with Matt? And I go, it wasn't like, I see it now, like from the outside in, watching it like, highlights and uh, video footages of it like it did look like it was a big battle but at, at the time like I was just trying to run as hard as I could give my opponent and do my best and he was trying to do the same which he, he does week in week out and like everyone knows him as obviously the biggest hitter in the game he's up there with Sonny and all that so I was fortunate enough I was um I still had my head on my shoulders after the game no doubt you danced with one of the absolute best in the game that day. Tell me, <laughs> the year after, um, 2012, you make your move to Canterbury. And I remember being at the SFS that night that you wore the number 21, you played your first game. And I- I'm sure it would go down as one of the best games of your career. Tell me about that night. I wasn't even thinking about leaving or doing anything. I was just wanted to play. So I was given the opportunity to head over there. And the phone call on a Tuesday saying you're going to go to Bulldogs. Wednesday I left. Thursday I had captains run. Friday I played. I'm pretty sure it was a Friday. And then um, yeah, so everything happened that fast. So I 
I knew most of I knew heaps of the boys before beforehand because the Kiwis I grew up with Frank Pritchard and his family, so I was close with Frank, Chris Keating, John Hodkinson, all those boys that were there. John John O'Reilly. I knew heaps of those boys growing up. So for me, getting there, the main thing was obviously building some sort of uh, like a friendship with some of the boys. But I was lucky enough I knew most of them beforehand. So in my head, I was just I was just told from there's pretty much. Um, catch the ball, run. We'll sort out the rest later. If you need to know any of the moves, obviously captains run. I tried to learn as much as I could. Um, but because I, I got chucked on the wing, pretty much the most easiest position to fill in for someone who just came to the club like a day before. Um, he just said, if you need to know anything or need to know the move, just listen to Benny Barber. He'll tell you what to do. And I was like, yeah, sweet. So during the game, I would look at Benny. He'll be like, just hang back, wait off me. Um, there's going to be a lead runner. I'm at the back. You're whatever. You you'll hang off me. I'm sweet. Then there'll be another one. Like he'll go, no, you push with the center. I'll be at the back. You're a lead for me, and I'll oh, yeah, sweet. And then if I hear a, he goes, the only two calls you need to know is like a, a kick call. These he goes, these these are the two kick calls. If you hear one of them, that's for you. If you hear another one, just do your best, chase and. Like, just your standard. Like, I'd played the game long enough, so just pretty much have fun, do do your job, and catch the ball. Benny Barber goes 90 metres and scores a try that only Ben Barber can. Now, mate, we spoke about earlier about you being there for the 2009 rollercoaster with Jared Hayne. Of course, you were there for the 2012 rollercoaster with Ben Barber. You know, what was the difference between the two? Because they're two of the most unbelievable purple patches of football by individuals we've ever seen. Yeah, they're both freakish talents, pretty much. Benny, he was the he was a short version of Jared, but he was like we called it like he was Mongo strong. Like for someone so small, you he was deceivingly strong, like you couldn't you couldn't have a good one-on-one tackle with him without either getting fended off or if you did get a hold of him, he would drag you a good five metres with him. Like, he was that strong. And obviously, his his height and his speed, it just he just had it all in this little package. He was a little pocket rocket and he was on fire. Obviously, he was scoring tries left, right and centre um, at a young age and he brought it straight into first grade and ne- never looked out of place from the moment he, he joined first grade and... He just had that confidence about him and he was riding the roller coaster like anyone else. He was riding the wave. He was going with it and playing off the back of, obviously, the big forward pack that we had made, made his job a lot easier. So speaking of uh, riding the wave in 2012, you know, you guys rode it all the way to the grand final and it must have been a strange feeling coming up against the Melbourne Storm in the grand final again. It was almost, it was almost like the same season over again for you. Yeah, pretty much exact same. Like, had that roller coaster run. Um, and then final stage, final game, the storm again. Passes that um, that we did a hundred times during the season that were coming off real easy, sort of being knocked down or bounce of the ball that would have bounced our way didn't bounce our way. Like it just felt like it wasn't like I felt more prepared. Obviously, being my third grand final at the time, I felt more prepared. I felt more into the game real early rather than waiting sixty minutes. Um, Everyone else around me was in. It was, it was pretty much just the bounce of the ball, really. It was just sort of like a week before, everything goes our way. week after, just 
ones that matter didn't didn't come our way and it changes the game or there was a moment in that game where um where Slater made a try saving play where he hit the ball over the dead ball line off a kick yeah and that was like a chip chip and like the whole year we did about 10 of them they all bounced straight in our hands they all just that sat up ball. didn't they yeah the and then that one bounces up and Slater comes and cleans it up like it was like he was meant to get that ball so you couldn't take anything from both teams on that one. It was just pretty much the bounce of the balls. It could have went either way. Soon after, you jumped the fence to Rugby Union. Yeah, I went to Paris and played um, French rugby over there in the top 14. How was that experience? Yeah, it was a uh, very different lifestyle change, uh, change of culture, um, living in, in, in a foreign country and not knowing anybody. I, I had known Digby Ioane for like, I'd seen him in and out of footy throughout my years of NRL and then having the chance to sit next to him every day in the lockers. He was pretty much my only mate at the time. And then starting to make friends in a foreign country, not speaking the language. It was a lot different. Obviously, changing sports, so I had to um, get my feel for it and as fast as I could because it was like um, sort of sort of at the start of the season, like a third of it. Had had gone had already been through, so I was there due to injuries again. But, um, yeah, it was an experience I'll I'll never forget, and I was zero from three in in the NRL, and I was one from one in rugby. So I'll, I'll take that. I with was me. just about to ask that you did get a premiership win there, did you? <laughs> yeah, we won that one, so it was, that's one I'll I'll take with me. We'll take that one. Beautiful. Yeah. Let me ask you. After that, you moved to the English Super League. I believe you signed with the Catalan Dragons the main difference you found between the English Super League and the NRL? Speed of the game, I think, was was a big, was obvious for me. Having two refs back home, never thought, why, why, like, why this, why that? What's the purpose of it? Having played Super League with the one referee again, not so many, like, it's not really televised here as much as, the, as it is in Australia, having the cameras in every game. Over there, it's pretty much one ref. He makes the decisions on every part of the game and you games in the whole year so that was a big difference and I felt because in the NRL you get you get all these talks at the start of every year like um, how to manage off-field stuff uh, the referees uh, alcohol drug talks like you get all the talks to prepare you for that season and then the referees come in and sort of to lay down the rules straight away if you get done for this that's why uh, if we call this, that's why, like, they explain all the rules and explain why they would penalise you. So, come game time, when it happens, you're not arguing with him. He, you're just like, oh, he told us that at the start of the year, uh, how the rules are going to be laid out. And then coming out in Super League, it was sort of uh, a backward step for myself because I felt like I knew the rules a bit more than the Rees. So, I was blown up at some things and I was like, did you not see that? Did you not do that? But like, having one referee is hard to manage like a full 26 players on the field of teams and decisions that could obviously change the game in that in that moment because you got no video ref. It was like it was a bit backwards at the time and that was my big difference. So after your time at the Catalan Dragons, I believe you moved to Witness and now you're currently playing at Salford. How have the experiences of both of these clubs been? I went to Witness for a year and then they got relegated. Um, so... I got the opportunity to sign here for Salford's and yeah, and that's where I'm sitting right now. Can I ask you, when you're playing for a team that gets relegated, do a lot of players leave once that has happened? So your contract 
gets terminated and then they offer you whatever they can pretty much depending on the club and the money they have but everyone's contracts are terminated so you you're you're free to do whatever you want you can leave you can sign for someone else so it's anything goes again tell me about your experiences so far in Salford everything's oh it's it's I was lucky enough I moved down the road when I first got here when I signed a witness so um, lucky for me, moving wise, I have to go anywhere. So playing local for me now, it's local. I'm playing for my local team, which which helps and everything here. Ian Watson, the coach, he's probably the closest thing to an NRL coach I've had since being in uh, the league. He's um, real professional in what he does, and he, he um, obviously he's the assistant to the the DBs this year. He's he's real th- um, thorough on his uh, the way he does things, the way he trains. The way he wants players to be, how like their weight, how fast they want them to be. He's real, like pretty much any standard an NRL coach would want. It would be Ian Watson. So it sort of felt like I was a bit more back home than anything. The last thing I'm going to ask you, mate. Um, I've been waiting for this one. You earned the nickname of the Smiling Assassin for your uh, <laughs> your goal kicking technique. Tell me about how that came about. Uh, I was just mucking around at training, really. I was, me and Hainsey, like I said, me and Hainsey are always mucking around. We're always the clowns and doing stuff at training, always kicking, like, never stretch, never warm up. We'll just walk out and start kicking balls from the 50, 60. Um, and at the end of training one day, like, everyone's kicking from the sideline, trying to convert for lunch and whatnot. So I, I've come up, I've just got there and I've arrived and I go, I go, I'll get this easy, but I like, I'll walk straight into it. And the boys go, if you get it, we'll shout you lunch, this and that. So just as I was about to kick, all the boys are booing, screaming, throwing like water bottles at me. And I started smiling and I was like, all right, here we go. I'll get this now. You guys, you guys have made me like force my hand sort of thing. So I've, I've kicked it, slotted it and just walked straight back in the sheds. I started laughing. And then a sort of um one game when I was playing NRL, one game sort of, that memory came back to me when I was kicking and I just heard someone in the crowd give, like spraying me, give me a handful and just like right next to my ear too, like on the sideline, spraying me, lolly legs, you're going to miss it. Just all the abuse you could find under the sun. And it's the first thing that came to my head, I just smiled and sort of laughed it off. I said like, if I get it, I get it. Like it's a, pretty much a nice way of saying shut up. <laughs> to to someone booing me if i miss well i'm laughing anyway so i'll just keep laughing and keep smiling and just continue it's not the end of the world it's a goal kick tell me before you go what's your number one career highlight oh making friends with all the all the teams that i've played with um just the the mates that i've i've uh i've gained along the way the friendships and and Everything in life, everything that rugby league's brought me, like I wouldn't be on this side of the world, I wouldn't have met my fiance. Obviously, everything everything happens for a reason, and all these things I, I see is obviously there's more to more to life than than rugby league. So for my highlights is everything that it's brought me off field. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. It's been a fantastic career to watch over the last ten or twelve years, and uh, we wish you all the best in the future. Mate, nice speaking to you. Take 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.